Hello and welcome to Locked on Spartans. It is Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. Cold, wintry day. I don't, it's actually not winter, is it? No, it's a cold fall day, a very cold fall day here in Michigan. Uh, I am your host, Will Hunter. Glad to be with you. We are bearing down, barreling towards, that's what I wanted to say, barreling towards Thanksgiving just a couple of days away. My wife and I went Thanksgiving shopping uh, yesterday, and this was the first time I had ever been Thanksgiving shopping for my own Thanksgiving. Obviously, you know, growing up, you don't do the shopping or the cooking or anything like that, and then you go through college and all that, Uh, and then previously just work had always gotten in the way, so this is the first time going shopping for Thanksgiving, and uh, I realized the answer to an age-old question of why don't we always have uh, Thanksgiving food at other times of the year, and that's because it costs like $20 to make each dish, and there's 10 dishes, and it's just an insane (laughs) process of laboring over food for like two and a half days uh, in terms of prep and just all this monstrous stuff. It's just absurd what we do, Uh, but we all love it. It is the best meal of the year for most of us. Uh, I would go so far to say that. So yeah, Uh, just wanted to share that amazing revelation with you guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one l two underscores. Email the show locked on Spartans at gmail dot com. Subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us on iTunes if you don't mind. And one more bit of housekeeping news uh, for this week. Just a reminder: there's no th- show on Thanksgiving, no Thursday show, but we will be back Friday morning. Uh, with a, a football preview because everyone wants to preview the Rutgers game. Um, so yeah, no show Thursday, back Friday, and regular shows, obviously, today and tomorrow. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit of hoops. Got some Tom Izzo sound courtesy of Matt Shook. Our buddy Matt uh, hosts the Locked on Pistons podcast within this network and uh, moonlights as a you know fill-in reporter. For a few different places. So he's got some Tom Izzo sound from their game against Tennessee Tech I want to play. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that game. We obviously didn't do it yesterday because it was you know, a record-setting win for Michigan State against a lowly opponent uh, that is, if A, not very good, and B, just like flew from North Carolina where they got beat by 50 in East Lansing to get beat uh, by whatever, it was 59. Um so there's not a ton I don't think you can take away from that game. But we'll talk a little bit about it uh, using the Izzo sound. We are also going to talk uh, about Michigan State's uh, upcoming schedule here. They're really, uh, really kind of gay. We've got some Izzo sound on this too. They're going into a bit of a gauntlet, right? We've got the the Las Vegas Invitational starting the the 24th or the 23rd, day after Thanksgiving it starts, uh, we open up with UCLA, and then if we win, we play the winner of Texas, North Carolina. If we lose, we play the loser. Either way, two Power 5 teams, two uh, teams that are pretty solid this year. Uh, You know, you always expect North Carolina to be good. UCLA is, uh, I think, 21st in the AP poll right now, and Texas is off to an undefeated start. Uh, they're not ranked in the AP poll. They're 27th in Ken Palm, though, which um, is a pretty solid ranking. Uh, Michigan State is 12th, actually, in Ken Palm right now, which I kind of, eh, I guess that makes sense. North Carolina's third, so 
Uh, definitely some tough tests possible this weekend in UCLA's 39th. Uh, if you do not know, this is actually very important as we sort of get into the college basketball season. Uh, if you do not know what Ken Palm is, uh, you're going to hear me say it a lot. It's basically shorthand for the Ken Pomeroy college basketball ratings. It's a lot like the S&P Plus numbers that I use during football season. Uh, it gives you an adjusted offense, an adjusted defense, adjusted turnovers, lock it in, strength of schedule, all kinds of different things, and it consolidates it into one number, and that number is used for the rankings. Right now, Michigan State has the 10th best offense in terms of efficiency and the 25th best defense. Uh, they're actually 57th in turnovers, which isn't bad. They're very unlucky right now. So you will definitely be hearing me say Ken Palm, whatever, Ken Palm's number nine offense, Ken Palm's number 10 defense, stuff like that. You're going to hear me say it. Uh, that's what it is. If you want to learn more about it, it's, you know, KenPom.com, K-E-N-P-O-M.com. It's one of, it's like a really well-regarded advanced stat. I think they actually use it for the selection committee now a little bit for the tournament, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, that's that good information for you to have about how the show's going to work. Cause you might get confused if you don't know what I'm talking about. So, uh, but real quick here off the bat, uh, I know we're five minutes in and I'm just now getting to the show. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about football. We're going to do those basketball segments the next two. But real quick, I want to talk about football. And I want to talk about Rocky Lombardi specifically. Um, I don't think we dedicated enough time to him yesterday. Uh, especially given you know, how much time we dedicated to him after the Purdue game. Uh, and I really, this <laughs> is going to sound crazy, I don't think there was that huge of a discrepancy between how he played in the Purdue game and how he played in the Nebraska game. And if you just kind of look at the box scores, obviously there's a large difference here, but uh, that doesn't tell near the story, obviously. So against Purdue, uh, given, you know, Nebraska had struggles coming in defensively, but they're still way better than Purdue on defense. Purdue's like a 70 to 80th ranked defense. Nebraska's in the 50s. Uh, so it is a tougher opponent. Obviously, the environment plays into it, both the, the stadium itself and, and the weather. It was a terrible day uh, for throwing footballs for everyone there. Uh, Adrian Martinez, a guy who started every game this year and has turned into a really uh, dynamic player, for Nebraska completed less than half his passes for less than four yards per attempt and in a QBR of 11. So it wasn't just Lombardi struggling out there. Uh, you know, Purdue is much friendlier environment at home. Uh, obviously simplified stuff in both games. But you saw, I think, a lot of similarities between the two games. Uh, you saw a big athletic guy who could make plays um, for sure. Uh it, you know, through the through the run game, through the pass game a little bit. Uh, I think against Nebraska, Michigan State offensive, like the scheme was different. It felt uh, there were there were more downfield shots uh, against per, against Nebraska. I mean, he, he's thrown it. This is crazy. In his two starts, they've thrown the ball eighty-seven times. Uh, they were leading throughout both of those games almost entirely, uh, and you know. They, they had decent balance, right? 38 carries against Nebraska, 40 carries against Purdue. But you would think they would take a little bit of the load off Lombardi, uh, just given how young he is. 
and how obviously terrified of them uh, or terrified of him they are because they have to, you know, they scale down the playbook and they're using an injured quarterback over him and things like that. Uh, but I didn't think Lombardi was terrible, but I also, I didn't think he was great against Purdue. Uh, you got to remember, you know, so 26 for 46, 318 yards and two touchdowns is inflated by a uh, 48-yard uh, catch by Jalen Naylor uh, that was an end-around uh, shuttle pass, shuffle pass kind of thing, little pop pass that he basically just let go of the ball. Jalen Naylor grabs it and races around the end around for 48 minutes or 48 yards. That is counted as a pass. So, you know, 270 and a touchdown looks a lot different than 318 and two touchdowns. Again, we cannot go just off the box score. And the, the other major thing, if you factor in drops, um, I mean, it still would not have been an explosive, dynamic offensive performance, obviously. Uh, but there were two touchdowns dropped, uh, a couple other first downs that, that would have extended drives. Rocky Lombardi could have eased. So he, he finished 15 of 41 for 146 yards in an interception uh, with competent receiver and tight end play. You know, that's probably, what, 22 of 41 for 250 yards, 240 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, somewhere in there, which is not all that dissimilar from the Purdue one and doing that on the road against Nebraska. Like, it's tough to give him credit for that when they, you know, the the ball was dropped, so you don't really know, you know. It, it played out how it played out. So it's tough to... Uh, we, we don't go back and give quarterbacks credit for guys dropping the football is what I'm trying to say. And not that we should give Lombardi credit for that, but even though he, you know, said he didn't see any drops after the game, uh, we all watched it. Uh, we have to take that sort of thing into account because that just shows up as an 0 for 1 in the box score. So there, we need to put a little bit of context on that. And I thought... Uh, he had nine carries for 53 yards. I thought he ran the ball exceptionally well. Uh, the only plays that he really struggled with running the ball uh, were those horizontal speed option type thing type things. And I think that the the staff's going to have to know if we're using Lombardi that horizontal run game uh, with the quarterback isn't as as fa- effective because uh, you know he's just not as fast as Lewerke. He's more of a lumberer. Uh, he's a north and south kind of guy. Um, if you remember, Matt Hepner and I were talking about like he reminds me of Tebow the way he runs. He just kind of he's not he's very athletic, but he's not like lightning quick. He's not a Lamar Jackson type. He's just like a rumbler. Like he's here to lower the shoulder and hit you, which is good. Uh, but you hope it's you know you you question its long term sustainability. But we'll see. But yeah, throwing the ball, I thought he was accurate. Threw the ball hard. Uh, crisp routes on slants. You know, in in breakers, he's he's fine with. He's really good from you know zero to ten, uh, within between the hashes kind of thing. Once he gets outside the hashes, he tends to sail the ball, uh, and then we know he's got his struggles throwing the ball down the field. Although he had a perfect deep ball, uh, to it may have been Cody White this game, uh, which was dropped. Uh, but he had a few overthrows, few bad overthrows in this game as well. Um, so yeah, I just. Obviously not a great performance for anyone on the offensive side of the ball, but I thought Lombardi was he was he wasn't terrible. He was just like meh, uh, given the the context of first start on the road in a hostile environment, terrible weather, a million drops, all that stuff. Um, 
and frankly, just the way the last month has played out uh, with the indecisions at the quarterback position and not knowing where he stands and things like that, that's also more adversity he's got to deal with. I think uh, it'll be a much better, you know, I'm still optimistic that he can be a good player. Obviously, it's going to take a lot more than, even if he had the two best games ever, we'd still need to see more. Uh, but I, there's still optimism there for me. And I think a lot of people just look at the, his box score, the six points and go like, Oh, Lombardi's done. we got nothing. Um, so don't be that person. You know, there's still a little bit of hope left, I think for, for Rocky. All right. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk basketball. Yay. Basketball. But first a word from sling TV guys. You don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And if you're sick of paying for all these channels you don't use, you got to get Sling TV right now. Listeners to this podcast, go to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G.com slash locked on. And you can get a seven-day free trial of the streaming service. You've been hearing about cutting the cord and all that stuff. Well, Sling TV is the best way to watch college athletics. $30 a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. And there are no hidden fees, no long-term contracts, no useless channels, and you can cancel at any time. Remember, go to sling.com slash locked on, get a seven-day free trial. It's only $30 a month. After that, give it a shot. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. And guys, I've been telling you about the uh, Locked On Podcast Network and their efforts uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow them at LockedOnNet on both accounts. You can get access to national feeds, uh, the biggest stories in sports. Uh, LeBron James scores 51, and you're following Locked On NBA. You know you can get all these different clips, reacting to it, and all that good stuff. Um, Locked On NFL, same thing. That that crazy Monday Night Football game last night. They're gonna have a ton of really interesting content there. So go to LockedOnNet for Instagram and Twitter. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, there was a ton of homework. Uh, welcome back to the show. There was a ton of homework to do in that first segment, and it didn't even get started until like the six-minute mark. So we are running long again. Uh, so I want to get to this sound from Izzo, courtesy of Matt Shook, uh, the host of Locked On Pistons. Matt covered uh, Michigan State's win over Tennessee Tech. It was what it was a hundred and one to thirty three or something crazy. Uh, <laughs> what an absurd, uh, absolutely absurd, absurd basketball game. Uh, so yeah, Matt was there, and Izzo talked uh, to reporters. Obviously, uh, one of the things he mentioned is they had three big focuses going into the game, and I'm really pleased to hear this because this is what I wanted to see going into the ULM game. Granted, it's a game later, uh, but it's basically. Uh, the three things they're really working on right now. You know, I thought um, we went into the game with three or four goals, improved defensively, not follow the jump shooter, not turn the ball over, and uh, get a little better ball movement. And I thought at times we accomplished all of them. It's 
a shame at the end there. We had two turnovers, and all of a sudden it was seven or eight. Um, a couple foolish ones at the end, but for the most part, we played pretty good on that. Um, I thought the only negative of the night to me was uh, the number of wide-open threes we missed the first half. Anytime you can say honestly and accurately, the, uh, the, the thing we didn't do well was we didn't hit our open shots in the first half. Uh, it's generally a pretty good night for your team. Uh, and I would say so, a school record win, obviously, for Michigan State over Tennessee Tech. And, yeah, that's the thing. The, the biggest thing is uh, playing just playing better defense and, and lowering the opponent's field goal percentage, which uh, you remember last year, like, they, uh, Michigan State was on pace to have the lowest opponent two-point percentage uh, against in basketball, in college basketball history for a while. Uh, they were dominant defensively, especially anytime you got anywhere near the rim. And so getting some of that juice back, obviously it's not going to be the same, but getting some of that back is just going to be uh, absolutely huge for this team. We know they're the number 10 offense right now. I think they're going to stay somewhere in that range. They have some really good playmakers uh, just because they didn't, you know, Nick Ward's going to be taking more shots. Josh Langford's going to be taking more shots. Cassius is going to have to take more shots. And they're all, those three are really good players. Uh, they're going to be able to score the ball. This team will be able to score the ball on pretty much anyone unless they run into someone who is like, you know, Duke. <laughs> someone who's huge and athletic and uh, or really, you know, experienced, great defensive team. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, good to see that focus return. Uh, not that we had any doubt it ever would, but after the opening two games, you give up like 92 to Kansas and 82 to Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, we knew there was going to be a, a, a re-emphasis on uh, basketball. In previous years, we would have all joked about the war drill, uh, breaking out the football pads, and you know that all that good Tom Izzo uh, lore stuff. Uh, I don't think uh, they've done any of that this year. I think it's just been let's try to turn up the defensive intensity and see where that gets us, and it's worked so far. Uh, Nick Ward uh, obviously, you know, rolled that ankle against UL Monroe. So very good to see him back against Tennessee Tech. Scored 23 points in 22 minutes, but it got a lot of praise uh, for his defense. And that's, you know, against an opponent that is as bad as Tennessee Tech, that is just, he can get buckets all day in his sleep against a team like that. But having a good, strong defensive effort uh, is really good for him. It's a good sign to see. Uh, from Nick Ward, and they did, they really, uh, the turnovers is always obviously the other thing that early season plagues MSU, especially against good teams, and we'll see where they're at uh, with the Las Vegas Invitational games, especially if they if they run into uh, Texas and that shock of smart havoc defense, uh, we'll see how they handle the ball, but again, two games in a row, turnovers were down, uh, way down compared to the, the beginning games of the season. And that's, you know, not that you can take a ton from it, but it's still uh, single-digit turnovers uh, when you had, you know, a push in 20 a couple times earlier in the season and, a, you know, an assist-to-turnover ratio of, of 25 to 8 for the team, 25 assists on how many made ba- on 37 made baskets, so... This is pretty good stuff. So, uh, just good signs moving forward. Um, 
it's not struggling. There's no struggle at all with these, even when they're close. It's like the same with UL Monroe. It's just because Michigan State's missing open shots. They started to hit them because they're talented. And now, you know, then they get the ball rolling and, and everything's good. A couple of good tune-ups, uh, obviously, after the Kansas game. Got to get a few cupcakes in there, a few wins. Uh, but, yeah, they're about to head into a really tough stretch, and we're going to talk about that after the break. All right, welcome back to the third and final segment of Locked on Spartans today. Uh, I want to start this segment actually with a quick soundbite from, from Izzo because I think it, it'll really set up what we're going to do the rest of the show. So here's Coach Izzo in his post-game press conference after uh, the win over Tennessee Tech. And this sound also is courtesy of Matt Shook. Wanted to accomplish some things. Wanted to try Gabe a little bit more. Wanted to get Aaron some minutes. Wanted to see what our freshmen could do. And if you ask me, our freshmen aren't ready yet. And uh, so what does that mean with our with our uh, playing group and what we do in the next... Uh, because there's not one game that you're going to breathe in in the next six. And that is going to be the hardest thing that we have to deal with as a coaching staff. But uh, it's also exciting to look at, uh, you know, UCLA and either Carolina and Texas and then Louisville on the road and then uh, I think it's Rutgers on the road and, uh, and Iowa at home and then on the road to Florida. So that's uh, interesting uh, scheduling. And you'll have to pardon that sound a little bit. I've turned it up as much as I possibly can. Uh, it's just, you know, it's that it's not loud. It's good quality sound. It's just not the loudest sound. Uh, so I, I was sort of realizing that. Uh, I hope you could understand it just fine. But basically, I think uh, that sets up this last uh, this segment really well uh, because the freshmen are, gosh, just the biggest wild card right now. Uh, and I think the season, obviously, the season, I mean, I say obviously a lot. The season goes as far as Cassius Winston, Josh Langford, and Nick Ward are going to take it. That's this team's, you know, going to go as far as those guys want to take it. But the freshmen are just like uh, this this ultimate wild card. We don't know really what we're going to get from anyone at this point. I think Aaron Henry is the most known commodity uh but even still there's some you know what are we going to get is he going to refine his offensive game a little bit or is he just going to be a three and d guy who likes to try to dunk but so i think you know going into the schedule right ucla north carolina texas one of the two uh louisville on the road Rutgers, iowa uh Rutgers is on the road and Rutgers i don't think is terrible this year in basketball uh, they were up 31-4 to at halftime against Eastern Michigan yesterday, which is just spectacular. Uh, I didn't see how that finished. I, assumed it, I assume it didn't go well for Eastern Michigan. Uh, but nonetheless, a conference game on the road. Then you got Iowa, who looks really good. Um, and then you got Florida on the road. So that's a, a pretty tough schedule. How much are these freshmen going to play through that? Uh, Bingham has been getting a little bit more run earlier that you know the 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 further we get into the season the quicker he's getting into games the better he's looking is that going to continue against these tough teams is he going to be able to get on the floor in any sort of meaningful way that isn't maybe a junk time or just we need a minute here uh we need three minutes here to get us to halftime because someone's in foul trouble or someone tweaked an ankle or, or whatever 
Uh, and then, yeah, Gay Brown, Foster Lawyer, and Kithier, they're just sort of, I mean, Lawyer's getting on the floor a bit. He's making some plays. But once you get into conference play and once you start playing North Carolina, once you start playing Florida, although Florida uh, is you know, generally a good program, looks to be a bit down this year. Once you start playing those big schools, uh, can he hang? Can he stick on the court? We're, we're quickly approaching the point where they're going to find a lot out about these freshmen. And so if you're watching these games, looking forward to these games uh, the next few weeks, I think that's the most interesting thing to watch. I think we'll get kind of what we, we expect out of the, the known commodities. You know, the, the big three are going to play well uh, for the most part. Kenny Goins is going to bring energy. He's going to grab some rebounds. He's going to defend hard. He's going to hit some shots. Xavier Tillman's going to, you know, grab rebounds. He's going to play hard. He's going to play, you know, physical post defense and be an occasional scorer. McQuaid's going to do the McQuaid thing. Hopefully he can find a shot. It's not there yet. I, I do have faith he'll be able to find it a little bit and hit some shots. But what are they going to get from the freshmen and how much are they going to get from them? I think it's the big question going into this gauntlet. Something really interesting to watch for. In North Carolina, man, they're, uh, I think if you beat UCLA, which you probably should. I mean, you're favored against them. Uh, North Carolina's favored against Texas. North Carolina is the number three Ken Palm team right now. Number four in adjusted offense. Number eight in adjusted defense. Like, they're good. They're number seven or nine or something. They're, you know, top ten team in the AP pool. They're really freaking good. Uh just behind Kansas, uh, and so that'll be an awesome challenge if we can, you know, face within the first month of the season, face the number two and number three Ken Palm teams. Obviously, Duke is number one, and also the number six, uh, because Gonzaga, if you remember that scrimmage, Gonzaga is the number six team in Ken Palm. Michigan State, like I said earlier, is number 12. Uh, that'll be good, and that's, you know, that's what Izzo's done for the last decade. That's what MSU basketball under Izzo's been like just an absolute gauntlet throughout the beginning of the season. And you hope that that, you know, helps you, helps shape you. The whole iron sharpens iron things helps shape you for March so that you, and really the, the stretch of Big Ten basketball where, you know, some, it gets really tough in times. And it looks like the Big Ten's going to be a lot better than they were last year. Obviously, it's like, it's hard for it'd be hard for the conference to not be better. And I thought coming into the season there'd be a lot of really good teams, no great teams in the conference. But Michigan looks awesome. Purdue looks really good. Iowa looks really good. Michigan State looks really good. Indiana is looking really good. Uh, there are some good teams in the Big Ten this year. Nebraska even is a, is twenty three in Ken Palm. Ohio State's twenty nine. Iowa's uh, thirty three. Penn State and Maryland. 35 and 36. That's half the conference in the top 40 of Ken Palm, top 36. Um, more than half the conference. That's eight eight teams in the conference in the top half of the Ken or in the top 40 of Ken Palm. That's it's going to be a tough this year. So those freshmen, if if this team is going to unlock its ceiling, it's going to have to you know there's going to have to be some contribution, some solid minutes from those freshmen. Bingham's going to have to be an energy X factor guy who who blocks shots and cannot get you know pushed off the floor by someone bigger than him. Aaron Henry's going to have to be uh, more consistent, and I think Foster Lawyer is going to have to be able to stay on the floor as the second point guard with the second unit, uh, making plays uh, that 
whatever defensive deficiencies he has, his offensive playmaking has to outweigh that throughout the course of the season for Michigan State to unlock that ceiling, you know? And that's, those are tough asks for them. They are, they're all flawed. All these freshmen are very, are, have a, a flaw that is, it just sticks out. Uh, Bingham, skinny. If he was a bigger guy, he'd be looked at as a lot. If he weighed 20 or 30 more pounds, he'd be looked at as a lottery pick with that skill set. So, I mean, they're all, they're all flawed players, all good players. That's the thing. They're all really good players, all top hundred players. Um, and it's going to be just a matter of what the, the staff can get out of them uh, for this season. And if it can be something like I just talked about, uh, I think this team has a, a pretty good ceiling. And obviously the, the future looks very bright with a, a, a group of guys who aren't going to be, you know, like the Jaron Jackson one and done types. Great. Obviously great to have those players, but you also need foundational guys too, I believe. Uh, so it looks like this could be a really solid fun, foundational class of guys that stay here three or four years. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. As always, follow us on Twitter at OnSpartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L, two underscores. Email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. You get it sent right to your phone every morning. And uh, head on over to iTunes if you don't mind. Give us a five-star review. That would be genuinely appreciated. I think we've got 10 or 11 reviews right now, uh, all five stars. Uh, so that's really great and really, uh, really appreciated. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to talk a bunch of stuff tomorrow. We're going to have more um, a more specific look, I guess, at the matchup with UCLA. Given that we won't be on uh, Thursday, obviously, for Thanksgiving, and they play on Friday. So we'll have a look at that. We're going to talk about this uh, Michigan State North or Michigan State Rutgers game a little bit, and just kind of uh, we'll see what D'Antonio says in his press conference, things like that. We'll have things to react to, some news to talk about. So look forward to doing that tomorrow. Uh, until then, go green.